Report Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, joined by Alex Duvall. How are you doing tonight, man? Joel, I am well. The Royals are off, but there is baseball to be had. Um, we're currently in the middle of a no-hitter here in the sixth inning, or getting ready to be the seventh inning in Chicago. So, uh, got baseball tonight, even though the Royals aren't playing. So, my day is good. It's weird that in the short of a season, we were just talking off air, that they have – like, there's six off days, essentially, in the season. They get two in one week. So, this is going to be – it's a little weird, and it's going to be – and pretty much all September they got to go, so it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a wild stretch here at the end of the at the last month and a half of the season. I sure hope so. I'm ready. I'm I'm disappointed we're going to lose 100 games, but this this shorter season with the expanded playoffs makes for a little bit of a more adrenaline filled season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the Royals are actually playing really good ball right now. Won eight of eleven, split the series in Cincinnati, and here to kind of help us talk about this early about third of the season essentially. Uh, this far as Shane Summers, he's the producer and engineer over at In the Zone with Jason Anderson. Uh, he over at 810 WHB in Kansas City. Uh, how are you doing tonight, man? Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm good. Like I said, it's weird not having baseball. It's nice to be excited about baseball. It seems like it's been a couple of years, but it's nice. I like it. Yeah, yeah I, I tweeted the other day on, our, on the Royals Farm, Royals Farm Report account that, Shane, I was listening to your guys' show on 810, and you know, Jason mentioned a couple different times that it was a disappointing loss in Cincinnati, and then I flipped over to a – we'll call it a different radio station, and they were talking about the same thing and how disappointing it was they dropped that game. But it was like, man, like how cool is it we're sitting here, uh, you know, two years removed from back-to-back 100-loss seasons. We're sitting here talking about disappointing losses and that, you know, these these games matter and it, they come back to bite you in the end. So, you're right, it's just fun. It's fun to be able to – be in competition. It's fun that the Royals are not totally blown out yet. So uh, I'm just enjoying every minute as best I can. Yeah. And it's been like what a week ago, our show, we were talking about like you guys had tweeted a little bit about like uh, how awesome Kumar Rocker could be. And like, I just started to think of that. And then it's like, well, four, what, five out of six. And then all of a sudden now we're talking about maybe they're in the playoffs. Like the 60 game season's insane. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just five out of six against, Pittsburgh and Milwaukee, who's really struggling, and, and, you know, Detroit. These are these are five out of six against three of the best teams I thought they'd play all season. You know, the Reds, they didn't have Moose in the lineup, but they, that's a sneaky good baseball team in Cincinnati that I don't know that a lot of people are aware of how good they are. You sweep the Twins, who won the division last year. You take one, or do they take two overall from the Cubs? Just the one overall from the Cubs, but you beat the Cubs, who are – They beat them soundly. It was the last game of the series. They just got the one of the three, but you know, or I guess that what well, they did play a four game set, two and two. But that's still that's a baseball team that's definitely better than you are. So it's not like they're just picking on teams worse than them. They're beating legit legitimate playoff teams, and I think that says something about the streak they're on. That this isn't a fluke. That this might be sustainable. No, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, the you know the things that we thought at the beginning of the season once was pitching. I was. Like, I don't – I think I picked him, like, 23 and 37 just because I couldn't see it with the pitching. And, I mean, if we were, we were trotting out Glenn Sparkman and Keith Fillmeyer to fill the fourth and fifth spots, then I think it might be different. But the pitching has been a really su- great surprise and and the bullpen. I mean, it's sustainable because I think now that they got the rotation somewhat set and the bullpen's been lights out, you know, you can have days where the offense doesn't do everything that they need to. And, I mean, that bullpen, I mean – it's great. It's it's nice to see that bring takes you back about five years too. Yeah, yeah no especially doubt. when they when they almost blow a game like last night where they where they did their best to blow it and finally did pull it out. It's a uh, 
you know, it, it, again, we're talking about how, how nice it is to be in contention, but how, how different is it that when the bullpen doesn't blow the game, you're like, okay, we didn't, you know, that's, that's about what we expected. They come in, they get the job done, they win the game, we go home. So it, it's nice to see these tides start to turn a little bit. Um, and, and some of it's the kids, some of it's Bubich, some of it's Singer, some of it's Keller. Some of it is veterans that they've brought back and Rosenthal and Holland, everybody doing their job. But, mm-hmm. you know, Joel, it's a lot of fun to watch. And I know, Joel, we, we talked uh, previously about um, how cra- – and Shane just mentioned it, how crazy it was. We went from, you know, quit for Kumar, and now we're talking about potential playoff contention. Um, but, man, that, that's, that's the 60-game season right there. Yeah, it's really weird, you know, when you think about being, you know, in pretty much any sport, I think I heard this, I heard this on some big radio station somewhere, you know, like Fox Sports or whatever, where one guy, he was talking about like, you know, in a baseball season, basketball season, you either want to be the Ritz-Carlton or you want to be the Motel 6. You don't want to be in between. Like you want to either be contending for the playoffs or you're tanking. You don't want to be kind of stuck in the middle. And what we saw, I think the best example of that was the Royals in 2017. They kind of went for it, but you know, with that, the last run with, you know, the guys like Kane and Moose and Haas. And they kind of, they made a couple deals, but that in that Padres deal kind of blew up in their face. They go 80 and 82. They didn't go for it like they probably should have. And we saw those, and even the 2016, they go 81 and 81. They were just a meddling team. And then you see two years where they're just, they're awful. But we get a couple of top draft picks. You get Bobby Wood Jr., Asa Lacey. So you're getting a little, you're reaping some sort of benefit out of being a bad team. So where – I don't know if the Royals are necessarily going to be either – I don't think they're – I think where they're at now, they're not going to be a top-five pick, at least at this point, unless they go on some crazy stretch that, while very well possible, I don't necessarily see because I think there's enough talent on this team where they can stay afloat and be – can, you know, contend with teams day in, day out. But I don't think they're going to be falling in, you know, that maybe – sneak into that eighth, seventh or eighth playoff spot. So I think they're kind of falling in that little stretch. That I, I think they either need to go for it and commit to it or just commit to, okay, let's take one more – let's take our lumps for one more year and try it again with these dudes that we have next year. And I think that right now they're kind of falling in between. For sure. And I think the biggest difference is – and, Shane, I'd like to get your opinion on this – is, you know, in those years you're talking about, they went to – they had to go to San Diego to get reinforcements. And – that trade obviously didn't work out. And not only did the trade not work out, and now all everybody from that trade is gone, but you lost Matt Strom. You lost the second-base prospect in Asturias Ruiz. So you didn't – and not only did it not work out for that year, but it hurts you in the long term as well. And while those guys haven't been great, they're still assets that you don't have on your team. I think the biggest difference is – and I hate to be too optimistic or too far-fetched, but it does it – does the timing not feel – odd that they waited until they went and won five out of six to add Asa Lacey to the 60-man player pool? Am I the only one that thinks that's odd timing? Or is that totally random that they were planning on doing the whole time that just happened to be after a five out of six run? You know, I mean, that's a good point. I, I, honestly, I have no idea. We, we, we chatted about it a little bit, uh, Jason and Corey and I, you know, just do they – do they think he's going to add to the team for this, the stretch run, maybe towards the end of the, the, you know, maybe September call up. I don't know. Do they have September call ups in this weird season? Is it? I have I don't no know. idea. Out I, think, it, I, but I think they were planning Adam, on limiting guess, those rosters to 30 anyway. And since they're already 30, that maybe they won't have those. Yeah. So may, I mean, or do they think maybe college is starting up? There's going to be more people at, 
College Station. Let's get him the heck out of College Station and make sure he doesn't get COVID that way. I mean, who knows? I mean, honestly, I have no idea. They, we were, I don't know about you guys. We were kind of surprised he wasn't on that taxi squad to begin with. Um, just to have him up here and, you know, your, your new possession and, you know, keep him on his pitch count or, you know, his, his uh, regime um, here. So I, I don't know. I, uh, I would, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at anything this year, the way I've, I don't know if it's the change with the ownership and with Matheny. I it's, they're, they're doing things so different this year than they ever have. And I love Ned. He got us a championship. But it seems like I would have never thought this would have been the way that Matheny's been doing stuff with because I thought, I mean, it started with Singer going game two. Like, who knows? Maybe Asa Lacey's your your eighth inning guy three weeks. Who knows? Yeah. Doubt it, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder how Brandon Finnegan alters their thinking on this because they obviously, in the middle of a contention season, had no issues bringing Brandon Finnegan from Omaha to Kansas City. So – he was extremely successful. So you could say on one hand, Brandon Finnegan handled himself and Brandon Finnegan is nowhere near as talented as Asa Lacey. So we, we know that Asa Lacey can go out there and handle himself. On the other hand, Brandon Finnegan's career took a downward turn after that moment. And maybe we don't want to rush Lacey, have him as a reliever. And now we got to go back and have him as a starter. I think the biggest difference there, and I don't want to – like. I, I don't know this to be 100%, but I've heard it from pretty good sources that maybe the attitude of, of Brandon Finnegan, who he wanted to know, am I a starter or a lever? Not how can I help the team maybe played a role in that downturn. And maybe if they think Asa Lacey is more mentally mature, that perhaps that could be the difference. But I do think it's interesting to see, it will be interesting to see if they do or don't, because then the question is, did Brandon Finnegan have anything to do with that decision um, but I do think there is a precedent for this that we can go back and look at. When the taxi squad came out, we had a feeling they would at least, because they pumped a lot of money into him, they're, like, they have enough invested in the asset that getting him innings in some capacity against other professional hitters was going to be yeah. beneficial for him. But when the taxi squad came out, and I believe it was Dayton Moore that said, he's comfortable at his spot in College Station. We're just going to go and let yeah. him throw, let him be comfortable, which I think has been a trend we've seen over the last couple of years of let these guys be comfortable. Let's let them be themselves, figure out what works. And then in the offseason, we can tinker if we really need to make changes. So I thought, okay, he's going to be down there. He's going to get his work in and continue to throw. And then spring training 2021, we'll see him. I bet he would probably get a big league camp invite and at least get some innings that way. But I think starting, I think getting him up now to the alternate site, I, I think there's something, I think there's some smoke to the fire there of how the Royals view him and what they've seen probably on track band or Rapsodo from stuff that he's doing down there, down in College Station that I, it wouldn't surprise me in, with how weird this season is if he does end up getting some innings at some point. I, I have no idea. But I think it is very interesting how the tune flipped from just let him throw in College Station, let him be comfortable, let him do his thing, to now he's throwing against professional hitters that quickly after that really not being part of the equation three or four weeks ago. Yeah, and you wonder with the comparison with Finnegan, the only thing I'll say that's different is he had a full season. He was in the College World Series. This year's like, I mean, did what did Lacey get three starts? Yeah, he got three or four starts. Four. Four so, starts, 24 I mean, you wonder how much of it maybe is just bringing him up just to even get him some live action, you know? Yeah. And I think there's, there's a couple things to him not being on the, on the 60 man early on 
that so if the Royals had 60 guys they liked, they really wanted to make sure we're on that roster. They knew they didn't need Lacey on there. They maybe they didn't even want him on there necessarily. That it was just kind of a luxury to have him on his own program. And let's deal with our own 60 guys first, and then we can deal with him later. I think there's another bit to it where the season gets shut down. He's already in College Station. So when the season gets shut down, maybe they say, okay, we're going to take a week, and then we're going to start a program that has you ready for X amount of days after the draft. And the Royals said, hey, go ahead and finish this program. And it could possibly be that that, what is it, maybe a 12-week program just ended, and as soon as it got done, they say, okay, we'll take you back now. So I do think there are several possibilities that none of them point to this has to do with contention. But I do – I can't not think about the timing where they win five out of six, you're beating good baseball teams, the offense comes alive, we need a lefty in the bullpen. Like, it, it's just the stars are aligning, it feels like, that I don't think they would ever even believe – I don't think they'd consider bringing Lacey up if they didn't plan on contending. And I do think the stars are aligning for him to have a role in the bullpen, which means, in my opinion, the stars are aligning where the Royals might believe they can contend – and I, I can't not be excited about it. I agree 100%. I mean, that's the best part about this season. It, to me, has been getting to see some of these young, new guys coming up that we've been hearing you guys talk about for the last couple of years, and it's just been a breath of fresh air. I mean, I don't know the last time I was excited, like, oh, so-and-so's pitching today. I got to make sure, like, your day revolves around, oh, it's Brady Singer day. Oh, it's Chris Boots day. Like like I told you when, uh, when after one of the first uh, – Singer starts, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Lynch and Coar to come up now, too. So, they just – do they have – I mean, one thing is, is with my question about Lacey coming up is, you think he'd be a bullpen arm because, I mean, they don't really have a weak spot unless you see all of a sudden – I mean, unfortunately, Danny Duffy's been pitching great, but he, at, he looks like the weakest link sometimes in this bullpen or the, in the starting rotation because we know what he can – be good for a while and then he falls off. So, or he gets hurt. So, I mean, there's just not enough unless they go like an eight man rotation with all these young guys, where do they go? That's my question. Cause there's a, there's spots in the bullpen unless I don't see them trading anybody off. I mean, you could see like if they start to lose some games, maybe they flip Rosenthal or Kennedy. I don't know who would take that contract, but uh, you know, I just don't know. It's just, it's just a, such a weird season. Well, I, I think the interesting thing, too, is – and I go back to that point I made about how in previous years they had to go trade for horses. This year, I mean, you could legitimately – like Trevor Rosenthal has been very good, but you could legitimately, in theory, trade Trevor Rosenthal, get something in return, bring up Coar or Lynch or Lacey, put him in his spot. You're probably not going to lose a ton – and you're getting your young guys' experience, and you've got something in return for Rosenthal, and you're probably not losing a ton in the bullpen. Now, if you're not going to trade anybody, I think maybe the two most obvious spots are Kevin McCarthy and Gabe Spire. I really like Gabe Spire, and I think he's been fine in the bullpen. But if you're talking about a power arm and Lacey that he's – I mean, no offense to Spire, but Lacey's probably would be better on day one than, you know, subtle improvements. If you're talking about the difference between – two games back of a playoff spot and having the last playoff spot, then those subtle improvements like Ace Lacey for Gabe Spire and Jackson Coar for Kevin McCarthy, I think those could be the difference between we missed the playoffs by one game and 
we made the playoffs and snuck in as the eight seed somehow. Yeah, and you can tell that, like, the, the nice thing that I've, I've loved about Matheny is he threw Barlow out there, and Barlow looked great as a closer. So you could, I could see him moving him to closer and doing, like you said, getting rid of Rosenthal just, just for something, which would be nice. Yeah, I mean, as many future assets as you can compile without forfeiting the season in any way. I mean, that's, that's just kind of the luxury they have is they've now developed their own horses. They don't have to go trade for them if they decide they want to make a playoff push later on. So what becomes interesting, though, is if you do want to go and get a big, you know, big bat for the middle of the lineup or someone to help kind of move things along on the offensive side, because I think there's enough offense to sustain, but you got to have someone in there that strikes a little, you know, just a little bit more fear, you know, in the middle of the lineup, maybe besides Jorge Soler or somebody else just to add a little bit more depth. You're probably going to have to part with one of those guys like a Coar or a Lynch or somebody else which of those guys do you think you would be more okay with parting with? Because I think they both are going to play a future with the Royals. I don't know if the Royals necessarily will part with either guy, but which guy would you be more okay with the Royals moving on from to go and get a bat or some kind of, you know, high value prospect that you know will come up next year or the year after and be, you know, to kind of move in with the core that we have right now. Well, I, I really, really like Daniel Lynch. I know you guys love Jackson Coar. And, and what I remember Sarin has always said, and it was really prevalent when the, they traded Will Myers, is you're going to have to make a trade that hurts. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, you're going to have to give up something that you don't want to give up to get something you really want. And, I mean, I would say I really think I really am – everything that I've seen on Lynch, I, he's been my favorite, honestly, of the group. So I guess I would say Jackson Coar, but he also didn't look that great in that, was it the Astros outing? But what, you know, what are you going to say about that? Um, but I guess I would say him if I had to pick one, but I know that's going to disappoint you guys. Yeah. I, 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 I hate to cop out, but I don't think a, that the Royals will trade anybody this year. And I don't think B that, the you know the Royals need to this year I think that's more of a of a future issue um that and again I hate to cop out but I do think it's it's definitely possible and and I hate that and it's you know it's I I again I I don't know I I could see them trading Coar I could see them trading Lynch it feels to me like having Bubich and Singer in the rotation means they're probably safe those are probably two guys they want here for the long term. So I don't know that I see either of them moving. If I had to take a guess on which one did get moved, um, I would probably guess that it would be Lynch. I don't know why. Probably because of the, the past forearm issue and because he probably he, – like he very well could be the best of the bunch. And if you're going to trade one to get a return, you may as well trade a guy that most teams would want to give up more for. Um, but like I, I said on Twitter earlier, whoever the Royals decide to give up, I am confident they'll make the right choice. Um, and, and as much as I would hate to see them trade Coar, um, that's probably who I would trade at this point. Um, but that's, I mean, he's also my favorite of the bunch. So if I had to guess, I would say it would be Lynch, but I'd really don't, I would personally do Coar. I just don't think it happens this year. If you would ask me three weeks ago, I would have said Chris Bubich, but now, like you said, he's up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I really and, – and, of course, that could be, too, 
hey, guys, look at this guy. He's 22, and he's really good in the big leagues. Come get him. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, it makes it really tough when you have, you know, two of the four that we have all been really high on for over a year now up in the big leagues, knowing what's coming behind to try and think who you would want to give up. I think at this point, Lynch would probably be the more likely because I think he's got a little more upside than Kowar. I think he, because Kowar has a fastball changeup, the curveball's developing. I think that uh, Daniel Lynch has at least has a couple plus secondaries that would teams would be a little more inclined to give up something for him. But I, I just have a feeling that the Royals are going to hold on to these guys and try mm-hmm. and build a horse of a rotation like the Mets tried to do a few years ago. And I think, and now whether the Royals were able to do it more successfully than the Mets remains to be seen, but it feels like they're trying to build something like that. So they know it's win day every single day, not just when, you know, whenever Singer comes out, whenever Coworker, it's every single start, you know, you have a chance to win because of the dude that's on the mound and building something like that. When you really did it in the bullpen in 2014 and 15, having that for six innings, or seven innings out of a rotation spot, I think is where they're going to try and go with it. Uh, but who knows? Uh, obviously just some guy that's on a, some amateur behind a microphone. So, you know, we'll see. But we I, all? I, yeah, that's fair. But no, we'll, we'll see. I think it's an interest. It's interesting to see what the Royals are going to do over the next couple of years. Cause I think the, you know, the window is starting. It's just like, it's cracked a little bit of what we're starting to see this next little wave going to be it's start we're starting to see just little it's starting to open incrementally just a little bit so I, th- I think the question then is let's say that we believe that the royals believe this is the opening of a window that they're in contention this year that it's possible do we think that's smart because i'm kind of of the opinion that i, I actually don't know where their playoff standing is right now i need to look but i think I'm they were kind of the opinion this morning they're a game and a half back of the eight seed yeah i think so that was what i think we said this morning yeah see i'm kind of of the opinion that this is a year too early like if it's just gonna be young guys then i'm all for it but let's say like and this was a totally different circumstance but we kind of you know joel we broke that story last year about how ownership um blocked a trade of ian kennedy if that happened again this year I feel I personally feel like it would be really short-sighted to not trade Ian Kennedy or to not trade Greg Holland or to not trade Trevor Rosenthal or Michael Franco, who, whichever veteran you want to put in there. It, to me, it's short-sighted to not trade them if somebody gives you a good return because you think you're contending this year. So if their contention idea is let's bring up the kids, fill every role in the lineup with kids that we think are going to help us compete and win right now, all for it. If their idea of contention this year is we're going to keep Trevor Rosenthal around, even though the Giants offered us this cool, you know, third base prospect, then that to me is short-sighted. And I think that would be a really big mistake on the Royals part um, in 2020 specifically. Yeah, I think they're, they're not going to be, they're not going to be bad enough to be a top five, 10 pick. They're not, they're going to probably just barely miss out on the playoffs I think they'll be exciting to watch most of the time and, you know, taper off at the end. But I think like, they're going to be like, we've kind of talked, they're going to not probably make the playoffs. So I think it would be a bad idea as well to just sit on their hands and not deal some of these people. Like, I mean, you need, you need to, 
if you like Mikel Franco is a one year deal, right? So yes, it move on. Let's see what you got. Um, Cause what is the trade deadline in two and a half weeks? I mean, that's the thing is like, they're going to be somewhat still in contention and that's the hardest part is they're going to, I just think that they're probably going to hold on and maybe if they trade anybody, it'll be someone like an Ian Kennedy or something like that, that they know that they can get a little bit of something out of, but I just don't, I, I just think they'll probably miss on a couple or, or sit on their hands on a couple and then just taper off just enough and maybe think that what they're going to, if they bolster anything, it'll be with from within. I, I think that line of thinking isn't going to be exclusive to the Royals either because over half the league is going to make the playoffs. Yeah. That the trade deadline is not going to be as chaotic as it has been in the past you know, because you have so many more teams that are in contention or close like the Royals are even a little bit higher up, you know, in that seven, eight spot. I don't think you're going to see teams deal, you know, one way or the other because they know that they have that opportunity. So I think a lot more teams like the Royals and another, you know, teams similar to the Royals position are probably going to be more likely to stay put because they know that the likelihood of them being able to maybe sneak into that spot with one good series and the eighth seed having one bad series is right there. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think we're going to see the Royals stay put. Like you guys mentioned, I think maybe dealing an Ian Kennedy or a Greg Holland or Michael Franco at some point, you know, to try, you know, a deal but still feel like you can contend is probably the likeliest scenario. I don't think we're going to see a fire sale or multiple assets, you know, moved on from. Maybe one deal, but I wouldn't expect anything more than that because I think the Royals are probably going to stay put or pretty close to it. For sure. And I think there's going to be a, a set of the, a section of the fan base that's, you know, we've been – you know, too bad for too long. We don't need to be tanking anymore. And, and to that, I agree. Like, I, like, I think I would agree with most people is if, if you don't want to quit for Kumar anymore and you want to try to compete and win as many games you can with your young guys, I'm all for it. At the beginning of the year, I would have said quit for Kumar, let these old veterans play and be bad and, you know, save some service time on the kids. But, you know, the way they've been playing, man, I, I'm all for letting the kids play. I just, like Shane said, I am really worried that it's going to be a, situation where they sit on their hands and they don't make a move that maybe we look back in hindsight and say they should have made that move. But Joel, you brought up another good point with everybody sitting tight is, man, if nobody's willing to give up something that you want and like, cause you can only trade guys on the 60 man roster. Anyway, let's say that um, the Cubs or the Phillies are a good example. Their bullpen sucks. Let's say they call and they're going to, they want all three of your relievers that are veterans that could be traded and they offer a bag of peanuts. Well, it's ne- we're never going to know what those offers were, so it's going to be really difficult then to judge why they didn't make a move. And, and, I, and to that extent, I wouldn't blame Dayton Moore. If, if the offer was, hey, a bag of peanuts for all three of your veteran relievers that are on one-year deals, I'm with you. Keep them and let's just play ball. But I think it's going to be a really difficult year to judge those decisions just because of the nature of the, of the rules of, of trading guys this year. It's just a weird – I mean, the whole thing is just weird with it being like you're going to be like 35 games maybe into the season. Nobody's going to – I mean, if you're a, if you are a seller at this trade deadline, you probably could make some, make some bank because there's not going to be very many sellers. I think there's going to be a giant clump in the middle. There's going to be some really good teams and a few bad teams and then everybody else. And if you want to try to try to get rid of a couple pieces and try to – build a little bit it's probably the if you can do it it's probably a great year to do it but 
who's who knows who is going to make that management decision in each organization that says let's just let's just trade some people like you just it'll be interesting or it could be absolutely interesting Right. I think the competitive nature that Mike Matheny's brought this season and with the, how John Sherman has kind of taken, has taken things over in ownership, I think the Royals are not – I don't think the Royals are necessarily going to be more aggressive than normal, but I think they're going to stay with what they have because they know that they're winning ball games at this point, uh, at least over the last week or so. And it looks like they're probably going to be able to sustain at least somewhat success to stay around that 500 range, which could sneak you into that eight spot. You just don't know the way it's going to shake out. For all we know, the team that ends up in that eight spot could be five games below 500. So the Royals are probably going to stay put and maybe sneak in. We, we have no idea. This season has been so weird and chaotic already that the next month and a half is going to be incredibly weird. I just know it is. Yeah. And I'm looking at the, at the standings right now. And it looks like, the teams that you're going to have to run down if you're the Royals are, are the Houston Astros, who have looked, quite frankly, awful this year. Jose Altuve has been terrible. Their bullpen is terrible. And that's not a team that I'm worried about you running down. The other thing is there are four teams in your own division who currently have a betting, better winning percentage than you. And because oh, – so in total you've got four, seven, eight, nine. There's ten teams ahead of you. And you're in 11th. And so Texas is another team in front of them. Texas has been awful. If the Royals keep playing like this, I think they catch Texas. The problem is two teams from each division make it. So you're talking about potentially one team from the West and then two teams in the East and four in your own division. The good news is you get to play every team in your division all year. And so if you can continue to win, you can literally carve out your own path because you don't have to bank on anybody else to do it for you. I just, I just worry that there's so many teams in front of me, even if they're only a game and a half back. If you're a game and a half back where there's three teams in front of you, that's, you know, that's still a tall order. So you know, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I, I just worry that, you know, that this season is going to come, come back to bite the Royals because in a normal year – the way Trevor Rosenthal is pitching, I mean, he would get you a legitimate prospect that would offer a legitimate, you know, service to you in the big leagues. And, and because of the pandemic and the shortened season, you're probably not going to get that this year, which is very Royals of them. So hopefully it doesn't come back to bite them too hard. And hopefully they're able to work something out that's best for not, not just the kids and, and the, 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 the development of the kids this year, but for their future as well. When you wonder at what point that they start manipulating the service time with Singer and Bubich, because um, you know Matt Harvey isn't pitching in T-Bone Stadium just because the Royals own for game seven or six. For sure. He's- and I think that's – I think, I think uh, Brady Singer is going to have a, have a pretty good cramp in his hamstring at some point near the end of, his se- of the season – um, he's going to get a cramp, ham- or a cramp in his hamstring. They're probably going to have to put him on the DL for like what four more days. That that gets their six days that they need. So, yeah, I I really do think they'll they'll work that in. But um, I, I hope so anyway. Because if they if they punt on a year of control of Brady Singer to miss the playoffs by a couple games this year, I guess hats off to him. I'd be I'd be thrilled for Singer personally. But man, what that would be that would really sting in five years when you're one year away and Brady Singer's a free agent. So 
yeah, I really do hope they make a bad decision and, and manipulate their service time. I mean, it's so front office baseball to do stuff like that. But it, but if the Royals are in that seven or eight spot, do you still do that? Or do you risk the year of control to make a shot at that seven or eight seed? No, I guarantee you, the, if the Royals are in a playoff spot at the end of the year, they will not send Brady Singer down. I will, I will almost guarantee that. Now, if they, can, if they can get it to where he pitches the fifth to last game of the year and they can send him down for the last four and then bring him up for the playoffs, maybe – but I promise you, if they're in contention, I, this front office will go for it. And that is, that is 100% for a fact. We saw that 2016-2017. If they're even close, if they think they're even close to the playoffs, they're going to go all out and make sure they get there, or at least do their best. Agreed 100%, yeah. I mean, you saw it with Finnegan. You saw it with uh, trading Manaya. So, there's proof. And it worked. Yeah. Flags fly forever, so we, you know, we can hopefully, you know, hope in the next couple of years, this is at least the start of something. Uh, here in the next few years, we're going to be able to watch a lot of good baseball in Kansas City. Do you guys have any final thoughts here, just so we're not talking in circles for too much longer about this? I don't. No, it's been a fun year. All right, well, awesome. Hey, Shane, thank you so much uh, for your time tonight. We really appreciate your your thoughts and insight. For anybody that uh, doesn't follow, that may not follow you on Twitter, or any of our listeners, where can they do that? I am Shane Summers eight ten on Twitter. Listen to the Zone with Jason Anderson, Corey Anderson, and myself on eight ten weekdays ten to two. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back with another episode next week, and we will talk to you all then. Thank <laughs> you.